Good morning, Neighborhood Bible Church. Glad to see you all have a good Christmas. Good. Mostly nods, yes. Some are like glaring at me. No, I'm kidding. They're not. I got, I almost got exactly what I wanted, which was to spend the entire day in my jammy pants. Um, I did have to spend about a half an hour out of them. So uh, it was, it was an awesome day and glad to be here with you. We had a really fun time in here on the 24th, Christmas Eve. And um, just left with uh, the fun spirit and the nice time being together. Uh, this morning is going to feel a little bit, um, a little bit family-like. Just uh, you're going to have an opportunity to share. It's the last Sunday of 2009, and so we're going to take some time just to hear a little bit about what God's done and and that sort of thing. For those of you who are panicking because there's nothing to write notes on, um, this will be a good season of growing and having trust and faith. We can't have church without a bulletin. We decided to prove that this morning. So uh, you'll just have to write on your hand or somewhere. Um, In our house, probably in your house too, I would venture to guess, especially if you have children, uh, we are constantly having songs uh, burst forth from various people's lips. Now, uh, we happen to be a little bit of a musical family, so that happens. But even if you're not musical, um, kids tend to sing about what's on their heart and mind. And some of the things that our kids sing about um, shouldn't be repeated in church, not because they're necessarily, you know, wrong, but maybe just not appropriate for a church setting. But all of life gets sung about in the Carlson household. That's how it goes. And this summer, uh, my five-year-old Tegan wrote a song, and I'd like to sing it for you if you're, if you're okay with that. Even if you're not okay with that, I'm going to sing it for you. <laughs> and it's a little bit of a, it turned into like this march kind of a thing, and here's how it goes. It goes, a one, two, three, four, look back, look forward. A one, two, three, four, look back, look forward. And there's like hand motions to it. You kind of march along and then look back, look forward. And she's in a park, we're in a park of all things. She just marched around doing this and her, and so then Cassie joins in like a conga, conga line style and they're marching around a park. And pretty soon, like I'm bumping volleyball with my wife and pretty soon I'm like, a one, two, three, four. And we're all, I mean, it's just, it's catchy and I'm just going, man. And so, um, and so this song has become now this thing, like we're just sitting around the TV or, you know, hanging out, whatever, and all of a sudden the kids will just come marching around the couch doing this song, the whole, you know, crew in a line. And I discovered a really, really practical use for it. It just so happens, um, it's our sermon title this morning, because it just is so fitting for, for, you know, 2006 and, and end of the year kind of thing. Um, so, so I, I thought about the, the, the brilliance of this song. Is, is, I mean, I'm probably going to continue to discover the brilliance of this number for a while. But one of the things is, if you're ever on a hike, uh, let's say uh, a couple days before Christmas, um, you know, let's say out in an open space near Kennedy Road, and your three-year-old isn't wanting to keep up with the rest of the crew, and is feeling fussy, and you're tired of carrying her, you break out this song. And what it does is it gets her feet moving forward and her mind off of the fact that she's fussy. And so all of a sudden, everyone's hiking along happily again. And I'm like, yes, another use for the look back, look forward song. Um, beyond that, I started thinking about this. And I thought about, I thought about times in my life or people that I know that run through life full speed ahead without ever stopping to look back. And doing so is not only reckless, it's also foolish and it's unbiblical. To do that, it's unbiblical to constantly be rushing forward and never stopping and reflecting and looking back. 
I want you to think about for a moment just what you know of the scriptures and what you know of life. Even if you've never picked up a Bible, think about the rhythm of life that there just is to our to ourselves. Even just going to sleep every night, right, and waking up. And what happens when that doesn't happen? Some of you, it's really bad. Others of you can cope a little bit better. But food needs to happen. Sleep needs to happen. Hopefully cleansing is happening on a regular basis. There's just there's this rhythm to just basics of life. But beyond that, the scriptures talk about some of these things. In the scriptures, we see that altars are to be built at times. You know what those altars were built for? They were, they were put there so that when your kids ask, Hey, Dad, what are those rocks doing right there? You can stop and you can say, this is the time that God rescued his people. Let me tell you all about it. And you're able to look at those stones that will be like a monument. And you'll say, let me tell you about that time, how God stepped in and rescued us. There's also times of holiday and festivals that are prescribed in the Bible. Notice I said prescribed. Are they commanded? Yes. But they're really like a prescription. Like a doctor would come and say, take this, eat this way, exercise, you need more rest. The idea being, you as a people, all through the Old Testament, read it, you as a people need to stop and celebrate and have a festival, and you're going to remember this season of time. You're going to specifically focus on this for a little while, and you're going to party about it. And we're just going to, we're just going to be in relationship. And this is commanded to go and stop and do. So that, I don't know if you know this, but you pausing and celebrating Christmas, you're actually obeying God by doing that. And I know this is hard for me to get my mind around, and it's hard for most of us because we're kids. But all of God's commands are for our good. In the same way, parents, that you say things to your kids, and kids, you don't like every command your parents give you, do you? No. Yeah, they're like, yeah, we're tracking with you. We get that. Parents, are you out to make your kids' lives miserable? No. Yes, I heard a yes over here. That was from a kid. Um Follow instructions, Stephen. I was talking to the parents. <laughs> parents really aren't out to make their kids' lives miserable, but it sure seems like that when you're the kids sometimes, doesn't it? I want, I want, I want. Well, you can't do that, and here's why. God's doing the same thing with us. He prescribes things for us for our own good. Not only are there altars and festivals and holidays, but also just think about this. Remember the weekly Sabbath. You know what the weekly Sabbath was? It was a day of rest. That's all the word Sabbath really means is rest. And it's prescribed to say that every single week there's going to be a rhythm to your week where you're going to stop and you're just going to be before me. You don't have to perform for me. You're going to be reminded that there's nothing you've really done this week that earns your love for me and my love for you. We're just in relationship and it's all grace. And so pause, stop, slow down, stop doing, and just think about that. And while you think about that, break out into praise, break out into song. You know, that's what we're doing here. That's what this morning is about. And that's why it's important weekly to be in fellowship with other believers doing this. This is certainly a season for remembering and looking ahead, right? Everywhere you go in the media, if you're, you know, online or if you're looking at newspapers or TV or whatever, everyone wants to talk about the year in review. There's countdowns, you know, the year's best, the year's worst and all that. And there's even looking ahead type shows and things that are on. And I'd venture to say, I don't, I don't, I didn't take a poll this week, but I would venture to say that much of that stuff is fairly frivolous. Right? It's a little bit like eating fudge. It's okay to eat a little bit of fudge, but if that's your whole diet, if that's all you ever do to look back is to see, you know, the best European crossover music acts of 2009, I mean, come on, you know, we know David Hasselhoff's at the top every year, but, but, you know, you're, you're gonna read that, you're gonna ingest that information, and it's there, it's not gonna kill you, but if you eat nothing but fudge, what happens? 
It doesn't feel good, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to catch up with you at some point. There's other things that we could look back on, use our time to reflect on, ingest uh, you know, information and thought and put some, some effort into it that might actually do our body some good and our heart and soul some good. The Bible is consistently telling us to remember to both look back and look forward. Look back might be the idea of, of meditate and remember and reflect that we see all through scriptures. Words that think about looking forward are to hope and to plan and to cry out to God. All of those have this ring of looking forward. As I was studying this, I began to see in the scripture so many places that in one sentence, it has a look back component and it has a look forward component. Listen to Psalm 116, 17. It says this, I will sacrifice a thank offering. Isn't that looking back? God, thank you for what you've done. I will sacrifice a thank offering. There it is, looking back. And call on the name of the Lord. That's looking forward, right? We're looking back and saying, thank you, God. And by the way, I'm going to continue to call out to you and cry out to you. So what are we to remember? I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. And uh, we're going to look at a little scenario here. I'll set it up for you while you're turning. Matthew 16, verse 2 is where we're going to start. And what's happening here is there's some religiously proud people that are coming. And they were constantly coming to Jesus. They were very threatened by him. And they didn't like him. And uh, Jesus was kind of cutting in on their way of life. They had kind of ownership of how to be in tight with God. And it, and it had to do with, fu- with fulfilling what they would say are God's laws. But they had kind of built this system that they could keep uh, kind of on the surface. And Jesus was coming and undermining all of that, disrupting, disrupting everything for them. And it was really threatening their position of power and prominence and, com- and comfort. And the spiritually proud come and test Jesus. And what they're doing is they're asking for a sign. They're saying, show us a sign so that we can see what's, what's going on. Now, that's a weird sound. I, I, need, help. I need help with that because I, if I can't concentrate, thank you, Phil. <laughs> All right, moving right along. There we go. Thank you, Lord. Oh, it's back. Matthew chapter 16. Thank you, Clank. Um, does anyone know where we're at? Let's, let's look back, shall we? Um, Jesus being tested, people asking for a sign. Here's, here's how Jesus replies to that. Jesus says that when evening comes, you say it will be fair weather and the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy. For the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. These cynics kind of come to test Jesus. And Jesus' reply, in essence, is this. Hey, you're a bunch of wannabe weathermen. You know, you, 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 you can kind of pull together. I mean, how good are, are the weathermen today? Kind of 50-50. I feel like I could do the job decently well. You know, cold front moving up like this. Green screen behind me. I mean, they're kind of hit or miss, right? We've got tons of technology. I don't even know how good these guys were. But bottom line is Jesus points out, look, you guys can predict the weather, sort of. (laughs) Um, But the signs of the times, the things that are really important, are just going right over your head. Totally missing it. He goes on to say this, verse 4. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it, catch this, except the sign of Jonah. 
Now, maybe a little bit of a curious response from Jesus. He says, look, the fact that you're even looking for this is, is wicked. And it's adulterous. It's actually, it's actually tearing your heart away from full devotion to God and to another lover. That's what adulterous is talking about. So why does he bring up Jonah? Kind of interesting, interesting thought. Let me just throw this out to you. Here's in essence what he's saying. You want to know what's going to happen? Do you want to know how God is going to act? Look at the examples left for us in the Bible. He says, look back. It's right there for you. The story of Jonah. Let's, let's think about the story of Jonah. And, and he's pointing their minds to what they already have in their possession. Now, here's a little side note. They're talking to a sign. They're talking to Jesus. A sign will be given to you. A baby's going to come. That's Jesus. That's what we just celebrated. They're speaking with him. He's actually doing miracles in their midst, and they're looking for a sign. You see why Jesus might be a little frustrated with that. But his answer is this. Hey, look back. It's already been given to you. You know what the answer to us is? When we say, Lord, I just need a sign. I wonder if at times the answer is exactly the same for us. Have you, have you combed the Old Testament? Have you combed the New Testament? Have you been in the Word? I've been revealing myself to you. It's right there for you. Go back and enjoy what you already have been given. Now think about this. You and I have the capacity to be experts, quasi-experts. We're kind of like the weathermen Pharisees. I mean, we'll, we'll get some of it right, and we can kind of impress people with certain levels of knowledge about certain little segments of things, right? But you and I have the ability to kind of zoom in and be you know, expert thinkers on all kinds of subjects. Think about this. We could be like world event guy. We could be the person that just knows all that's going on in the world events. We study that. We think about that. We read up on that. We keep up on that. We maybe even blog about it. Politics could be another one. Sports could be one, right? And what's bizarre now is you could have real sports or fantasy sports. And like you could be super expert on either or both or whatever. We could move along to culture and to comics. We could even be just an expert on, on sales and like, and like what's going on. And if you think about it, I basically just read off every section of the newspaper. Right? And so our devotion time, our study time... Now, kids, this is a newspaper. This is how we used to get our news. <laughs> kind of a relic. Yeah, take a look. It's kind of cool. And, um, and so we used to take it like this and get newsprint all over our hands. And so we could be an expert, and every day we've got our newspaper out. Now, maybe for you it's not, you know, newspaper. Maybe you get your, your news somewhere else. But you could be an expert at this, and you're devoted to this. You know exactly what every stock is doing because you're tracking with it. The comics, whatever, I mean, whatever the, the, the section it is that's your deal, you could be really devoted to it, can't you? And you can know what's going on. And maybe Jesus would, would come along to some of us who are super expert in our little area and say, man, you, you know about this, but... Lift your eyes. You're, you're, you're missing the signs of the times. You're missing the story of God that's kind of unfolding on you. As we look back this morning, here's my challenge to you. As we look back this morning, I want you to either keep your mind, because you're already trained to thinking this way, either keep your mind on the eternal, or this morning, train your mind to think back in 2009, not on kind of the highlight things that went on necessarily that are newsworthy, that would make the newspaper, but rather spiritually thinking. Say, what is God doing in my life? What went on in my life in 2009? God tells us pretty plainly in scriptures what it is we're to concentrate on. Now, by the way, the news isn't bad. 
keeping up on this, actually, I would say as a Christian, you ought to be really well read. I think we ought to be ones who are, who are understanding things that are going on. I think part of how you develop a heart for the world is you go after it. You start informing yourself of what's happening in other parts of the country. And you start rubbing shoulders with people who are there. And as you start to support a missionary there or really start to pray for, for a region of the country that, that has your heart, you start to, to engage in that and lock in on that. But even in that, we look at it with a spiritual lens. Here are just some of the things that God tells us plainly to concentrate on. The Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. That's something that we're to, to be thinking about. Remember our Creator. Several times it says, remember the poor. We're going to focus in on these last three here that are, that are really prominent in Scripture. One is this. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. We're going to celebrate communion in just a few moments. And at Neighborhood Bible Church, in general, we celebrate it once a month. And we come together, and the time of communion isn't something kind of religious and just kind of a thing that we check off and do once a month. Rather, it's something that we say, we want to take these physical, tangible signs, and we want to remember. And as Ben's going to share in a couple minutes, even in that, there's a looking back and a looking forward. We're also to remember the Bible, and we're also to remember God's great works. So I'm going to spend just a couple minutes thinking about the Bible here for a moment. Don't turn there, and don't write it down, because you can't. Joshua 1.8 says this. Catch this. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate. There's that word looking back. Isn't meditate looking back? Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful. Being careful requires time, requires reflection, requires really thinking on something. So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. There it is looking forward, huh? Look back on this word. Don't you dare let it leave your mouth and your mind. Think on it day and night. And then God's going to be with you wherever you go. It'll care for the rest of the day. It'll care for the rest of the week. 2010, he's got it covered. Powerful stuff. Psalm 119, verse 14 says this. um, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. As much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your words. All kinds of looking back words in there, isn't there? Meditate and, and delight and forget, not forget. All have to do with thinking back on it. So here's an Old Testament question for you. I have heard this said time and again. Remember, I was a youth pastor for a long time, but it's not certainly not kept just to youth. Here's the Old Testament right here. People say, Dave, I've tried over and over to read the Old Testament. It's really, really hard. There's just parts in it I don't get. It's dry. It's boring. It goes on forever. You know, I get to page 742 and realize I still have a lot left. It can be discouraging. Here's what I would say about the Old Testament. Here's, here's, a, here's a question. As you look back on this, think about having a conversation with Jesus and think about a prayer time saying, God, I need a sign for 2010. And think about as you read the Scriptures. Think about as you decide to devote yourselves to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test God on this almost. And I'm just going to meditate on this day and night. I'm going to start disciplining myself, training my appetite for for spiritual food of the Word of God. And as you do this, pray this. 
Say, God, would you show me in the lives of these people, in the lives of your people, in the lives of my forefathers, spiritual grandfathers and grandmothers that went before me in the faith, in being your people, would you show me how you show up and how you care and how you want us to act and what you scold? Please. And you know what God will do? He will show up and he'll show you that stuff. It's remarkable. If you've never tried that for yourself, try it for yourself. As we enter into the experiences of men and women of the past, we see mirrored in their experiences the way God shows up and we start to see him acting in some similar ways in ours. We hear warnings in their faults, encouragements in their faith, and hope in God's faithfulness to them. And guess what? At the end of the day, as you start to discipline yourself this way, your confidence in your great God grows. It just does as you start to read these things. I'm going to give you just one very, very quick example. Two verses. Genesis 26, verses 24 to 25. You can think about it and write it down later. Um, Here's long and short of what's going on. Let's talk about Isaac, Abraham's son. And Isaac has a whole big story that went on before this, that there's all kinds of things that are amazing about it. But catch this in just this one little thing. Isaac's in this position where he's struggling with direct direction in life. God, where do you want me to go? Not only that, as if that's not enough, that's kind of a big heavy on some of our hearts today. Not only that, though, he's in turmoil with other people, his enemies, in fact. He, he's, his relationships aren't just all where they should be. He's questioning about the future. He's struggling in relationships. Does this sound familiar at all to anyone? Yeah, we get this. And then God reveals himself. He comes and he shows up in a powerful way and he offers comfort to him. And at that point, Isaac decides to to build an altar. And I'll just read it. Genesis 26, verse 24 says this. That night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. And then it says, Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. I want you to see this. Two verses. There's a whole lot more to the story always. But in those two verses, he built an altar. There it is. He stops and he builds an altar. Thank you, God. And he called on the name of the Lord. I know you just told me I shouldn't be afraid and you'll be with me, but I'm still scared. I'm going to cry out to my God for help. As you and I read the scriptures, you and I are prompted to realize the great accomplishments that God is achieving in our lifetime. This isn't a story that God wrote and wrote about, and now we just get to kind of wait until eternity shows up somehow. God's acting and moving right here and now. I just got to hear about someone's Christmas. I said, how was your Christmas? You know what I didn't hear about? Packages, bows, what they got, where they went, what shows they watched. You know what I heard? I heard a tale of God at work. And what's so cool about that is I was praying for this family over the holidays. God put them on my heart over the holidays. They had come to me ahead of time. Dave, pray for us. Here's what's going on in our family this holiday. And God showed up in a really powerful way. And that's so thrilling to hear. All right, God's work. Psalm 77:11. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your works and muse on all your ways. Remember, meditate, muse, all those things. Saying, it is worthwhile this morning, family, 
to think back on the works of God this year. By the way, be thinking, because in a few moments, I'm going to stop talking, and you're going to start talking. You're going to have opportunity just to give praise to God for his good works this year and what he's doing. Isaiah 12, 4 says this, Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Give thanks to the Lord. Look back. Call on his name. Look forward. It's everywhere. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Make them remember that his name is exalted. Praise the Lord in song, for he has done excellent things. Let this be known throughout the earth. Now, I can hear some of your wheels turning saying, meditate. That sounds very bizarre. I don't really know that I know how to meditate. You do. Anyone gifted at worrying in here today? Some of you are. I know you are. You know what? If you know how to worry or have ever worried, you already know how to meditate. It's just a shift in focus, isn't it? Worrying is what if, right? And, and oh, I wonder about, and it's, it's thinking about all this negative stuff. That's worry. The Bible commands us, actually, don't be anxious. Because I would venture to guess that it's very hard to meditate on the good things of God and meditate on the ways that God's going to come through on you, for, for you and worry at the same time. So it's just a shift in focus off of what you can do and you can accomplish and what should happen and what God can accomplish. Think about this, that reflecting is an act of your will. You and I choose to remember or forget. I would say this, I've met some people who seem to be on a lifelong escape. They're on a lifelong escape from what went on back there. And you just get this sense. You talk to them and you go, wow, um, You know, it's slipped out a little bit about what you're running from, and I've only just met you, but I can hear you're running from that, and your life has kind of been built on this, you know, escape route. Like, whatever I do, don't slow down long enough to think about what went on back there. But then I've also met people who are on kind of a lifelong vigil, and and what they're doing is they're they're living in the past. And and they would probably love to escape it one day, but they they seem to just remember. That's all they're ever doing is, is remembering. And the scriptures kind of give us this balanced look at this. Don't run full speed ahead and never look back. That's sin. Don't live in the past and cling to that and be trapped by that. That's sin. God wants to free you from that. So don't live on a lifelong escape and don't be on a lifelong vigil of the past. I want to just throw some things out to you as a community. This might help jog your memory a little bit. But collectively, we've been somewhere in 2009. And I'll just throw up some images that kind of help think us... Through. On Sunday mornings, this is a main reason we come together even, is to come once again and talk about the stories of God. What's God been doing in our week? It's part of the rhythm of my life, and I love Sunday mornings. I absolutely am thrilled to get to be here with you guys on Sunday mornings. Wouldn't have it any other way. And a regular part of what we do here is we, we teach from the Bible. We sing songs. We hear testimonies. We celebrate communion. We remember. We love on kids. We love on each other. We listen to each other. That's part of what church is about. That's why it's so important. We spent a good chunk of the year finishing up the book of John, the Gospel of John, just going right through the book. And John 14, 26, this great passage that helps us think about this. It says, but the counselor, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, remember, before he's about to go away from them, and they're catching that there's this urgency ramping up. It says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things... And will remind you of everything I have said. Isn't that powerful? I have a terrible memory, Dave. You know what? It's okay. 
God, the Holy Spirit, is going to remind you of the things that Jesus said in your life. You ever been talking to someone and you're sharing things that you hadn't thought about in a long time? But you're there doing it for that person in total love and you just go, man, grace and truth truth just poured out of my mouth in a way that I didn't pre-plan, I didn't think about, I haven't thought about in a long time. God, you're at work here. I'm not looking around at stories. I can think of specific instances talking to you people. It's awesome. That's God at work. That's the Holy Spirit reminding you of everything that you that we've said. July 4th, we decided to take our church service and move it. We said, let's not stay in a church building this Sunday. Let's go to a park. And so we went over to Almaden Lake Park, and we had our church service there. And we just had this whole thrust of an idea that the liberty that we experience as a church in America right now, we're totally free. We're totally free to proclaim Jesus. We're totally proclaimed to, to use all of our resources to share. Why else are we getting rich? Why else do we have our health and our life and our vitality and our thought and our clear-minded thinking towards spiritual things but to share and give it away? And so that service was about just physically showing us this is not church being in this building sitting in that chair that you're sitting in. So we're free to share. We also had this um, this whole series on on the church. And we just looked at what is it God really wants from a church. There's all kinds of superfluous stuff that we kind of collect along the way and some traditions that are decent but to become baggage and all kinds of stuff. God, what is it you say must happen in a church? And you know what we discover when we look at that? It's pretty simple. There's really a, a handful of things that, that we are to be as a church. And I think God designed it that way so it could be for all of time, for all people, no matter what the setting. It certainly doesn't involve electricity, does it? People around the world are having church right now without electricity, bulletins, or comfy chairs. It's just how it is. And God designed it that way. In the midst of this, we had one part of it that had this whole idea of sharing our talents. And God kind of led us uh, on this little journey. It's been amazing to, to see what our church body has done with talents given to them. Now, these were physical, monetary talents, and you can read about some of those on our website. If you haven't posted your story, by the way, Think about this. The testimonies that will go on this morning, your heart might be pounding. You go, I don't know if I really want to share. Stand up and share if God's prompting you to because you never know who your story is for in this room. You might be sharing a story that you seem as pretty insignificant, but you feel God leading you to share it. You stand up and share it, and someone over here that you don't even know is going through this has total hope because their nephew is going through exactly the same thing, and they've been freaking out about it. And then you've given them a story of hope. You know what, when you post on our website about how you used your talent and how you shared what God gave to you on that Sunday, that's an encouragement to other people. And it lights a fire of imagination to say, man, I've never thought outside the box like that. I have all kinds of things to give away and to share. And finally, just these last few weeks, we've been talking about Advent conspiracy and rethinking Christmas. And I hope that continues to have an impact. Here's why we're reviewing this even. I don't want to launch into five more series this next year. Keep more knowledge in our brain. And if we're not acting on it, all we're doing is heaping judgment on ourselves. Well, now you know three times as much, and you're still not doing it or obeying it or living it. And so it's good to stop and think back and say, God, let's let Advent conspiracy, let's let rethinking how we worship you and celebrate your birthday not be a one-time year event. Let's let that kind of tra- change the trajectory of how we celebrate other things as well. And praise God he's doing that. We've also been places physically. A team of you went to Mexico this summer. 
A team of you at various times through the year have walked these neighborhoods for canned food drives and flyer passouts and all kinds of different things. Some of us went to San Francisco recently. Some of you are on college campuses doing things for the Lord that just brightens my day and strengthens my faith. Some of you were involved in, involved in orphans and foster care. We've had baptisms go on here and new life and converts. Thinking on 2009, looking ahead, Psalm 107 says this, Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Catch this. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others He has redeemed you from your enemies. Just as a little prompt, I want you to think about the top five most exciting things that happened to you in 2009. I'm not going to have you share them right now, so don't panic. You can give real answers. Top five things. Just kind of, just what kind of rises to the, to the surface? First question is this. Have you given God praise for that? Have you, have you really stopped and just praised Him for that and thought on that and chewed on that and allowed that to affect how you confront issues now? When you cry out to the Lord now, is it in a different tone and a different heart and head place because of where you've been in 2009? I sure hope so. How about this? What is it that you can do to pursue more of these? Maybe your top five things all found you in places where you were out of control. And you had stepped out on faith and you were scared to death. And that's when God showed up the most. Or that you were at your very weakest. Or that you confronted your biggest fear of talking to that person about that subject to move forward in life. And God showed up in a powerful way. Maybe God's teaching you something. Step out on faith more in 2010 as you walk forward. How about this? How many of those did you plan? How many of those top five things that happened did you plan and orchestrate and, and it all followed to a T? My hunch would be that most of you weren't able to orchestrate. Life doesn't have a way of doing that, does it? We lay out our plans, and then life happens and messes everything up. How about this? Top five things you would change. A lousy days, situations, comments, memories, people. Same question. How many of those were in control for you? So if you weren't in control of them, how good is it for you to worry about 2010 looking forward? Well, I might have a bad week next week. Yeah, probably. With that attitude. No, I'm just kidding. A lot of them are out of your control, right? And so to, to worry about it is to just, is just a heap sorrow and stress on your life. How many of the things were, that were bad that happened to you did, did you have a part in? Sometimes it's our own sin. Sometimes it's our own prone to wander that we just sang that gets us into these jams. And that's where we say, God, I want to keep getting rescued from these jams, but I don't even want to have a desire and a heart to go there. Would you fill me with such a heart and desire for you that I don't even go there anymore and don't need to be rescued from that jam? Just a thought. Last question on that is, what will you do with these five hurts? Will you let them kind of simmer in there and think about ways to get back at people or blame people or be frustrated or yell at God? All of that's maybe good for a season. But isn't it true that God has a way of taking our hurts and redeeming them? He kind of takes our junk and turns it into something valuable and useful. This last year, within this last month, something that went on years and years ago in my life was redeemed for something good in a powerful, potent way that I drove away from this conversation. And I said, wow, God, amazing. That's something that I haven't been stewing over. It just happened as part of my story. And God, you took that and you were able to use that to kind of show the way.
Band, I want to invite you back up right now. We're going to sing a song and continue in worship. And the way we're going to continue in worship is this. We're going to be taking up an offering because that's part of how we worship as a church. And if you're a guest here, don't feel obligated. If you're a regular attender, don't feel obligated. This is cheerfully from the heart. Part of how we worship is offering. Part of how we worship is to continue in song. And part of how we're going to continue to worship is going to be in celebrating communion. While the guys are getting set up, listen to Luke 17. Probably a familiar story. But in Luke 17, starting in verse 12, it says this. Talking about Jesus. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out with a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Ever prayed that prayer? That ought to be on your lips all the time. When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, as they obeyed, as they turned and decided to follow his command, it says they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. He happened to be right on the border of Galilee and Samaria here. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then verse 19, he says, Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Let's this morning be that one leper. Let's be the Samaritan leper. Let's be the ones that come back and in a loud voice, with no regard for our name and how profound or unprofound we're going to communicate it, we just give praise to God for what he's doing. Can we agree to that? No one's in here looking for a show. No one really cares how well or unwell you say it. Get up and give praise to God for what he's done. While we sing this song and think about the cross, here's what I want you to think about. Specifically, how did God act on your Christ for help in 2009? Jesus, have mercy on me. Take pity on me. How did God rescue? And secondly, what do you want to thank God for in 2009? Kids, you're a part of this as well. And we're just going to stand up and give testimony in just a moment. All right, here's how we're going to do our sharing time uh, this morning is we're going to um, just ask you to stand up right where you're at. And you're not going to need to speak into a microphone or anything, but I would just ask you to turn to where the majority of people are. And if you're in the middle, you're in luck. Turn wherever you want. Um, And just go ahead and stand up and remain standing, and we'll just get to different people. I am going to start, though, with the Roses who had an event. Come on up. Uh, The rest of you won't have to do this. So this is to show you how good you have it. You don't have to come to the front. But the roses do, because we love the roses. And uh, share about what happened December 19th, right? Um, well, as it's been announced before, we did a toy drive with my um, my dad and my mom walked to a motorcycle group called, um, well, Christian Motorcycle Association. Anyways, we basically had the opportunity to go um, put a Christmas party on for foster kids. Um, there's some pictures. Um, for... People who've been in foster care, who are in foster care, or have been adopted, um, so somehow have been involved in foster care, and um, it's really an awesome opportunity. Um, I like what Dave said. He said going outside the box. Sometimes when we think of ministry, we think of you know preaching, or um, but we just got to be the um, seeds, um, planting, and being examples of Christ's love for us, um, because we basically. 
um, just got to love on the kids. We, um, a lot of the volunteers play with them. Um, we are put on the games for this um, party. Um, so they just got to play with them, have a good time, um, bring smiles to the faces that um, have faced a lot of hard times. Um, I personally took the pictures, so I got to go around and see everybody. Um, and one of the things we do um, is we let the kids sit on motorcycles, which is really exciting for them because it's, um, it's cool and fun, and um, uh, they get really excited about it. Um, so it's fun to see. Just we get a we get a bring joy to them for even if it's a short time. Um, and yeah, well, I'm just like. Process of the games was like they would play games and then they'd have a name tag, and then you, each game there's I think like ten or twelve games. You each game after completion they would get punched and they would get to go to there's the store area where all these gifts have been donated, and they were they were allowed to pick like one or two toys. And it was really cool because there a lot of them were really excited to play the games, yeah. and just their enthusiasm was it was kind of crazy just knowing like some of their backgrounds and like all the stuff they've gone through, how they can just just the little things get them going and excited and like you know, take joy in everything that we do, everything, even the little things and it's it's kind of awesome in like true sense of the word. Just how they like capture the essence of that. Because they don't have a lot to hold on to and then what we give them is like awesome and how they're excited they are about it. So um, we're privileged every year to come up here and tell you about this great thing that God has done for us. And um, it, when Dave, everything Dave just said, just my mind just keeps swirling over, oh yeah, that, I should say that, or I should say that, or that. But it's really easy to um, forget when you're promoting something like this, that it's not something to do, that we don't come up here and ask, hey, do this, do this, because what it all boils down to is when I call the group together, because this year has been especially um, different for us because Ron's in China, you know, and this was um, a, a vision God gave to Rod and I um, seven years ago now, and um, it was odd having it come to this point and having him in China, you know, and having him um, 16 hours ahead. So when we were doing this event, he, his day was over and he was in bed. So um, it was, it just, when I called the group together at the end and said, okay, so let's debrief, um, it's always unanimous that um, we've touched all these people, but we are the ones who walk away with a blessing. When, when the volunteers go, We've volunteered from 2, a, 2 p.m. to 10 p.m., and we did manual labor that whole time. And when the volunteers say, it went so fast, why did it have to be over? I can't wait till next year. And um, they're in tears because, um, you know, these touched, you know, we touched kids that were babies. Um, I don't know if you put the picture in there of that little fat baby high-fiving him. I mean, to teenagers, and um, over the years, we have been, um, we see the same kids over and over. It's not like this is something that they get well from year to year. These kids live this, and um, they do, like Stephen said, they look forward every year to 
coming together and playing, just playing. And um, it's easy to forget that um, when we are all in our homes with our children and they all belong to us and, mm-hmm. and we're comfy, that um, these kids, the gift, the most important gift they get from this event is the picture that they come away with. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that we forget as parents with children in our homes is that they don't have a visual uh, history of their environment because it's not a pleasant thing. They don't want to remember. And so mm-hmm. pictures, a history is important. So I just, um, I can't tell you um, what a blessing it is to have you guys as family and to um, that you remember the monies that you give to us and we spend on these kids um, just uh, change lives every mm-hmm. day. And it's mostly ours. So mm-hmm. thank you so much. Thanks, Roses. Awesome. So if you love fat babies, come next year. Um, they do this every year. Carl, just keep those pictures rolling, and those can just continue while other people talk. Um, they knew in advance. That's why they have pictures, so don't feel bad if you don't have a slideshow to go with your little talk. Um, so let's do this. The Samaritan leper came back, and with a loud voice, he just proclaimed the, the, the great things God did. So speak in a way that we can all hear. We, we want to hear what God's doing. Go ahead and pop up, and I'll just kind of acknowledge you. Go ahead, Ben. Okay, so I just want to praise God out loud for the things he's doing in my life this past year. Um, toward the latter end of 2009, I was focusing on 1 Corinthians 13, the 12th chapter in the Bible. Um, some of the words are love is patient. Does not boast, does not endure, it hopes all things and it endures all things. And so um, I was really focusing on this and really trying to go to the max as far as I can go. And I was fasting with my brother Michael over here, and we were going for a walk. And I was just talking about how I'm trying so hard to do what I think God wants me to do, so hard. And um, he reminded me uh, when I was 11, I wanted to accept Jesus Christ. Um, things didn't work out. I was, there was a bad environment. Uh, I was with a lot of different critical Christians. And so I said, if that's what Christianity is about, forget about it. So I became an atheist. And um, if I went to this church from the ages 11 to 16, I would have thought everybody here was ridiculous for being a Christian. And I would have just completely mocked you in my heart. And I uh, used God's name in vain. I mocked Christians to their face if they, someone, if I heard someone singing songs, and I just really gave people bad days. And so as I worked on being loving and patient, God reminded me that for six years, when I was mocking his name, he was hoping all things in my life. He was mm. patient to me. He was loving me. Huh. And at 17, when I took his price, he absolutely was there for me. And said, yeah, I got you too. And I still want to love you. And I still want to have a relationship with you. And so it just left me with this really profound sense of, what am I going for? <laughs> what, is, what am I going for that God has not through my soul? Mm. And so um, it just reminded me of a couple of verses in the Old Testament where he said, you know, be holy. I am 
thankful for thankful for this church and for this family that came for us. I got back to school and, and uh, finished that and got my degree ago. Uh, and started a new job week from tomorrow. Um, I'm thankful for pastors here and just the blessings that they've been in my life and, and the help that they've been. And um, really lately, some of you some of you know Nicole Dan. He's a kind of cancer right now. And um, she's, we, we don't know for sure. She's a believer. We're 99% sure and hoping Wednesday to get that last 1%. But um, I, don't, I don't share my testimony very much just because it's, it's, a, it's something that I'm not proud of. I'm proud of what God did. I never chose to be a Christian. Um, I was on the road that was going to lead to death. And God intervened in my life. And um, I became a believer in jail when I was looking to go to prison for almost 10 years. And God said no. And just performed miracle after miracle after hours. But God showed me um, several days ago the parallels between my journey and my life and some of the things that were happening with Nicole. And my mother died suddenly when I was 12. The day before, my parents were going to file for divorce. And uh, I was very, my dad started dating my way and I was very angry about that. That led to a lot of issues. But, anyways, um, Nicole's aunt and her children are really starting to understand why God and God is happening. She's pretty young, she's in her early 50s. And um, I, 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 I just realized God told me, the Holy Spirit told me that I needed to share this testimony with the bird, with her kids, and with the whole family to try to. Offer them some glimpse of what made you not. Because if it wasn't for my own mind, and she did, I wouldn't be in this room today. wouldn't be on this earth. My children wouldn't exist. My family wouldn't exist. And I wouldn't be here to share my story with her. And, uh, and so I kind of had to step out of faith and say, okay, that's what you want me to do. Um, and then we got, to, we got to the house and we were kind of waiting for the right time. And it kind of felt like that time had passed. And, you know, um, and then we gave, we gave her a gift book um, called Heaven by a really good Christian author. And uh, they started asking a couple of questions about my mother. And I said, okay, here we go. Not <laughs> open the door wide, got to walk through. So um, it was just very powerful. I mean, I, I was so blessed to share with them and see her, her family's not believers. Nicole and I are only one full time. And uh, I just I just pray that um, God would use it. I mean, just I'm so thankful for the opportunity, and uh, I just I hope that things can come, no matter what happens. You know, anything God is anything is possible in her life and family. But uh, that no matter what happens, that someday that we can all be in heaven celebrating how this answer. Terrible as it was brought her whole family to salvation. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what's there. Just thank God for the opportunity to play a time with Someone else. So my name is John Garza. Uh, a lot of you know me from my stories. My wife and I. You know, we, we've been through a lot this year. So it started pretty much a year and a half ago. When we <clears throat> our first born, 29 years old, we lost Justin Goodman in 2008. Suddenly, within three days, she was gone. 
the Western Virginia. So uh, it's been a battle ever since then. And, you know, it's uh, life changing, life changing. Um, I, I cycle now for something called chemo training, which is great fun for the chemo lymphoma society. Mm-hmm. You know, for Anastasia and anybody else that needs that help support. And in this past year, this past six months, I think it's been you know, worse. You know, six months ago, we lost my father-in-law, Grandpa David. We lost him to lung cancer. Four months ago, we lost my father. My father had some complications with his health, and we lost him. And two months ago, we lost Grandma Mary, my, my mother-in-law. So uh, she also had some complications with her, you know, lost her pretty suddenly. So there's been a lot of change, a lot of uh, passing away, passing into other lives. We're, we're given the opportunity to minister to to my father-in-law, my dad, my mother-in-law, and we we're confident that they're believers. We're confident. And their last breath, you know, we sat there and met to them and we prayed, and we, you know, they accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and and it's a journey, and I'm so thankful. You know, I mean, I mean, I, I, I still wonder, you know, why, why? And I'm, you know, I don't question the outcome. You know, the outcome. You know, I know they are in a better place. I know Marie is out and about doing God's work. I know that you know, he's out and about doing God's work, and it's working on us also. My relationship with my wife is excellent. It's, it's great. It's really good. You know, it's not perfect, but it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Get married, have children of their own. 
But if the good Lord calls me home tomorrow, I'll be happy. I'll be more happy to go. He has other plans for me. You know, my, my wife is sometimes a little worried about that, but I'm like, he'll be fine. He'll take care of me. He'll take care of me. So I just want to, you know, just, you know, get into a good Bible-based church, you know, study the Word, you know, be around brothers brothers and sisters, Christians. You know, I have, I have some very good friends, some men, men that I really rely on. Sometimes I, I need to go a little beyond, beyond my wife, so I rely on certain individuals, certain men that, you know, I call up occasionally or I'll come by and see them and just, you know, stay, stay within that realm. You know, it's, it's awesome. You know, God is awesome. God is good. You know, sometimes I don't understand why he's doing what it is that he's doing, but in the long run, it's like a year and a half later, like, oh, that's why he did that. You know? But, you know, just keep the faith. Keep the faith. You know, I'm very thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for her, for all that she's done for me and supported me and everything that she's done. And she doesn't really realize how much she's done for me, but she has. And all of you here, you know, thank you very much. Thank you. Well, listen, um, we are going to have part two of this next week. Um, bottom line is we, we just have more to hear about, don't we? Um, kids, here's one of your challenges. As you think back on 2009, um, next week is a first Sunday of the month, so you guys are in here with us back-to-back weeks. We love it. Um, it's just to be able to stand up and, and just from your seat give a short thing of what you're thankful for in 2009. So you guys can be thinking about that this week. Um, we are going to continue uh, just for the sake of those who may be uh, needing to get out of here at some point. We're going to do our communion right now and just continue to remember in that way. And then, um, like I said, we'll just kind of continue this next, next Sunday. So, God is the healer of our hearts and the lover of our souls. And he did break his body for you and for me. Let's partake together looking back and looking forward. And he also spilled blood. Blood that cleanses. Blood that washes us white as snow. Blood that forgives. Let's drink in remembrance and looking forward to his coming. God, we are just in awe of who you are and of what you have done. We don't understand it, and um, God just, it it boggles our minds, and yet we just want to proclaim it and be thankful and, and look forward, God, just to all the good that you do for us. God, just let us continue to look forward ultimately to your your coming and to the day where where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. God, thank you so much for for 2009, and, and God, just let us look forward to 2010. Thank you for a time of reflection and of looking ahead as well. And God, I pray that we just continue to keep this attitude in this coming week. In Jesus' name, amen.